January 19th. And now, as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, our narrative today will be from the book of Matthew, chapter 12, verse 46. And we'll go through chapter 13, verse 23. We'll be reading about neutrality. You will recall yesterday we were reading about hostility, hypocrisy, and victory. Today we'll cover neutrality. Beware an empty life. It is a standing invitation for Satan to go to work. In the spiritual war being waged today, you cannot be neutral. You are either for him or against him. The parables in Matthew 13 explain how God is at work in the world today. The kingdom of heaven is not the true church. For the kingdom of heaven contains both true and false, saved and lost. The kingdom of heaven is made up of all who profess any kind of allegiance to the king. God is sowing his word in human hearts and looking for some fruit. He is sowing his people in the world where they can produce a harvest. At the end of the age, he will separate the true from the false and the good from the bad. Is your profession of Christ authentic? Or will you be seen as a counterfeit at the end of the age? Does your heart receive the word? The seed has life, you know, and some power, and can produce a harvest of blessing in your life. Do you hear it? Can God plant you where he wants you? Do you believe he can do that? You know, you're a seed containing his divine life, but a seed must be planted to produce some fruit. Do you share with others what he teaches you? Truth must not be hoarded. It must be shared so that others can be saved and built up in the faith. And with that, let's begin our reading today here in the New Testament. January 19th, Matthew chapter 12, verse 46, through chapter 13, verse 23. As Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brothers were outside, wanting to talk with him. Someone told Jesus, Your mother and your brothers are outside and they want to speak to you. Jesus asked, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and said, These are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and went down to the shore, where an immense crowd soon gathered. He got into a boat, where he sat and taught as the people listened on the shore. He told many stories, such as this one. A farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The plants sprang up quickly, but they soon wilted beneath the hot sun and died because the roots had no nourishment in the shallow soil. Other seeds fell among thorns that shot up, and choked out the tender blades. But some seeds fell on fertile soil and produced a crop that was thirty, sixty, and even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Anyone who is willing to hear should listen and understand. His disciples came and asked him, Why do you always tell stories when you talk to the people? Then he explained to them, You have been permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven but others have not. To those who are open to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But to those who are not listening, even what they have will be taken away from them. That is why I tell these stories, 
because people see what I do, but they don't really see. They hear what I say, but they don't really hear, and they don't understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, You will hear my words, but you will not understand. You will see what I do, but you will not perceive its meaning. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes. So their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. I assure you, many prophets and godly people have longed to see and hear what you have seen and heard, but they could not. Now here is the explanation of the story I told about the farmer sowing grain. The seed that fell on the hard path represents those who hear the good news about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches the seed away from their hearts. The rocky soil represents those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But like young plants in such soil, their roots don't go very deep. At first, they get along fine. But they wilt as soon as they have problems or are persecuted because they believe the word. The thorny ground represents those who hear and accept the good news. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the cares of this life and the lure of wealth so no crop is produced. The good soil represents the hearts of those who truly accept God's message and produce a huge harvest, 30, 60, or even a hundred times as much as had been planted. What does it mean to be one of his disciples? It's to be a messenger. Disciples are messengers. Every disciple of Jesus is given a message to publicly communicate, urging everyone to believe it. And the word send, of course, twice, is in Latin, is the word mission, missio. Everybody that comes into contact with Jesus, we're all in mission. Every disciple is in mission. Or put it this way, a disciple is someone who's called radically in. You don't just know God from afar, you know him intimately. To be a disciple means to, to go radically in, to uh, experience closeness to God through Christ. Intimacy, to be healed, to be blessed. At the very same time, it goes completely together. I also call you radically out. I send you out. What does that mean? I only bless you to be a blessing. I only call you radically in so I can send you radically out into the world, no longer to focus on your needs, but the needs of others. God only calls you in 
He only calls you in, into intimacy, into blessing, in order to say, now I want you to live radically for other people in a way you never have before, for their needs, for their issues. I want you to go out into the world and I want you to be a healing agent. I want you to reweave the fabric of the world where it's ripping or where it's fraying. I want you to get out and I want you to meet their needs and fill their hearts so that they then can do the same thing. God is saying, look, before I met you, when you were having to be your own savior, when you were having to manufacture, produce, devise your own sense of significance, when you were always fighting against that, uh, and you're always losing, that battle against that inner sense of inadequacy, it was understandable that you could be sort of self-absorbed. You could be kind of absorbed in your own life and your own problems and your own issues and just try to survive. But not now. I have met you. I have dealt with your shame. I have provided the deepest, the satisfaction for the deepest longings of your heart for beauty and love. And of course you don't experience this to the degree you ought to. But it doesn't matter. There's no more excuses. No more excuses. You have absolutely no excuse now. Psalm 17, verses 1 through 5. God is spirit, and therefore does not have a body. Sometimes, Scripture uses the parts of the human body to describe God's activities with respect to His people. He does not have eyes, but He sees us. He does not have ears, but He hears our cries. David referred to four of these in this psalm, God's ears. The enemy opposed David's just cause, so he cried out to God for vindication. David's prayer was sincere, and he wanted God to judge righteously. We'll read about God's eyes. David had nothing to hide. His heart was right, and his walk was righteous. You must be able to say the same of your heart and walk if you expect God to answer your prayers. We'll read about God's hand. David trusted not his own hand, but the hand of God to protect him and to defeat the enemy. The pride of the enemy grieved David because he wanted God alone to be glorified. And we'll read about God's likeness. God has in mind this goal when he permits you to go through trials. He wants to make you more like his son. Although this verse may refer to future resurrection, it can be applied to life today. Our Lord goes with us into the furnace so that we may be more like him when we come out of it. Psalm 17, verses 1 through 15, a prayer of David. O Lord, hear my plea for justice. Listen to my cry for help. Pay attention to my prayer, for it comes from an honest heart. Declare me innocent, for you know those who do right. You have tested my thoughts and examined my heart in the night. You have scrutinized me and found nothing amiss, for I am determined not to sin in what I say. I have followed your commands. 
which have kept me from going along with cruel and evil people. My steps have stayed on your path. I have not wavered from following you. I am praying to you because I know you will answer, O God. Bend down and listen as I pray. Show me your unfailing love in wonderful ways. You save with your strength those who seek refuge from their enemies. Guard me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Protect me from wicked people who attack me, from murderous enemies who surround me. There without pity, listen to their boasting. They track me down, surround me, and throw me to the ground. They are like hungry lions, eager to tear me apart, like young lions in hiding, waiting for their chance. Arise, O Lord! Stand against them and bring them to their knees. Rescue me from the wicked with your sword. Save me by your mighty hand, O Lord, from those whose only concern is earthly gain. May they have their punishment in full. May their children inherit more of the same. And may the judgment continue to their children's children. But because I have done what is right, I will see you when I awake I will be fully satisfied, for I will see you face to face. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 33 through 35. The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but his blessing is on the home of the upright. The Lord mocks at mockers, but he shows favor to the humble. The wise inherit honor, but fools are put to shame.